Hello, everyone. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Steph, an educator who uses her passions and fandoms to help her students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. And I'm Ariel. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and mental and wellness. And here at Happiest Pod, we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Because we are more than just fans. We expect more from the mediums we consume. So, Steph, what Disney experience are we discussing today? So, it's been a while since we've, you know, recorded and we've gotten back into the game. I know, um, as we always say in our practices, mental health is number one. So, we decided to take a little break for ourselves, pay attention to what we need, the things that we need to do in our lives. But we went back into it full force with conventions. Um, So it's not necessarily a specific Disney experience. I think this is more of, um, it encompasses everything that has to do with all geekiness, all nerdiness, Mm -hmm. um, anything fandom. Definitely Disney is a big driving force in a lot of these things because of all of its franchise acquirements. Um, But conventions is our topic today. And we have done a lot of conventioning, haven't we? Yes, yes, we have gone to a lot of conventions. I think maybe more you than me, um, because I went to WonderCon and Comic-Con. Yes, and I went to Anime Expo, which is one more than you. (laughs) Yeah, and then um, we didn't do Midsummer Scream, because that's always right after Comic-Con, and I need, like, a break. Um, And uh, we are, I know the both of us are going to try D23. Yes, we are going to try with all of our might and all of our Disney magic to do that, because... As you all have probably been seeing, a lot of these in-person conventions are coming back for the first time in 2022. So many people are eager, they are willing to come back to the convention space to be with their communities and also um, be with their tribes, basically. And so what we're finding is that a lot of these conventions are selling out. I know for myself, when I was preparing for Anime Expo this year, I did not realize that I was going to see many posts on Instagram saying they were sold out, which is beyond anything that I've ever experienced before. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. for all of you uh, convention goers, you all know that these things never sell out. (laughs) I mean, with the exception of San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, with the exception of the big one. um, (laughs) These almost never sell out. They're usually still very niche communities that come together, cosplay. um, But I think over the pandemic, with the releases of so many platforms and Mm -hmm. so much accessibility to content, we're just getting fans from everywhere. And it's yes. not a niche community anymore. As they say, it's cool to be a nerd now, right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to be part of the geeky community. It is. It is. So, yeah, we attended quite a bit of conventions. We went into it. I know both me and Ariel have been a little hesitant to mm-hmm. be in the public space, especially since, you know, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Yep. Um, but we have been given some great opportunities, right? Absolutely. So so previously before the pandemic, we would go to conventions every year and on a different um, platform that's been archived, we actually went as press. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even before that, we were attendees. And then even before that, I worked as a booth babe, which is somebody who passes out free things and stuff. Ooh, booth babe, booth babe. I did not do that. I was always an attendee. <laughs> so we have had many types of experiences at the convention. I think um, the only experience that we haven't had is being an exhibitor yes you um but accidentally you were gonna be an exhibitor this year at comic-con right (laughs) yes and uh the other new experience that we had at wondercon and comic-con was we were panelists yes and i feel for us it was just 
like a dream come true. I never thought that we would be at the level, at the stage of, I guess, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. geekiness, that mm-hmm. we would be presenting topics that people really wanted to hear about, connecting with people who think just like mm-hmm. us and share the same passions and fandoms as us and having some really meaty and meaningful mm-hmm. conversations that last beyond the 45 minutes that they allow us to Yes. Have. Being a volunteer or working at a booth uh, working, it's it's essentially um, a W-2 or 1099 job. You have to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to being a volunteer, you also have to apply. But usually volunteers, um, if you, uh, particularly San Diego Comic-Con because it's so big, if you apply early and get approved, then you get passes for the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. So you end up not having to pay. But you have to be prepared to work. You have to be prepared to answer a lot of questions about the convention floor, where things are, about mm-hmm. the panels. Really good volunteers who get chosen again next year are ones that create that connection and do the deep dive to learn about the convention and, and its size and where to walk around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to um, doing something like press, being a professional, doing mm-hmm. a panel, that's its whole other bar where mm-hmm. you have to like fill out paperwork, do a proposal. Um, And when we had done it for press, uh, you had to prove that you had a following. You had people reading your content or Mm -hmm. if you were a podcaster listening to uh, your podcast or, um, you know, watching your YouTube channel. If you Mm -hmm. were saying that you were public, like a publication of some sort, you have to prove that. So for anybody who wants to have a press pass, if you don't already work at a like an established <laughs> publication. <laughs> then you have to be willing to put in the work to make your own, which means consistency, because that's yes. usually what garners the most attention. Yes, definitely. And with those different levels, it's kind of like, as an attendee, yes, you want to have fun a little bit. But when you have a purpose there, mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden a different game. You have mm-hmm. to make sure that you're working, having trying to have fun at the same time, but also um, knowing that you have a responsibility there and knowing mm-hmm. that you have to have a game plan coming in. Because mm-hmm. when you're making that jump from attendee to either volunteer or the attendee to even press, you have to make sure that you're getting what you need to get done. Because as you all know who do attend conventions the day just slips by and it goes Mm -hmm. by so fast and um all of the sensory overload all of just the people overload everything just kind of ends up getting in the way so i know for myself making the jump from attendee to at least press i had to like totally prepare myself in a different mindset i know for sure i didn't want to be a volunteer because i didn't want to work i wanted to have fun I don't want to work, but this type of work was a little bit different because then I could put my perspective on things. Um, But I did run into the problem of gathering all that information into a digestible way Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. putting all of those things because there's a lot. You're looking at a lot of things. A lot of things are being thrown at you. You're experiencing a lot of different like either panels, artists, all that stuff. And then to be able to condense all of that information into something that's digestible is not easy for a lot of people to do. Mm -hmm. So like Ariel said, um, there's many different avenues to be part of what is essentially a convention, but you just have to find the one that works the best for you. And burst a little bit of a bubble. 
just because you get the press pass doesn't mean that you get access to all of the Everything. things. <laughs> uh, there are even tiers. If it is a bigger convention like San Diego Comic-Con, sometimes yeah. press gets special seating. But at smaller conventions, they don't get preference in uh, seating at panels. Nope. Um, and they don't get to automatically interview whoever they want. Obviously, larger uh, press publications will get access to celebrities to be able to do sit-downs and Q&As. Whereas um, general press that comes from like blogs or YouTube channels that aren't well established but are still enough following that they can get a press pass, you, you're probably just going to be able to just attend for free, which, you know, is a money saver. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not something to sneeze at. But uh, don't step into wanting to do those things thinking I'm going to now have these do magic doors open to oh, me. Yeah. To all of these, and I get I get to meet like my you know Chris Evans. <laughs> yes, don't think because you have a press pass that you're automatically gonna be IGN and then you're gonna just be able to sit there and people come to you. That's not how it works. How um, it works. Although it, that would be great, that is definitely not how it works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did press, uh, and um, we talked about being a volunteer. And certainly being attendee is you just enjoying yourself. And we will focus on the attendee experience in a little bit because that's going to be everyone's more general experience. But the next thing um, is being uh, sometimes what they call a, a professional. And the professional are usually individuals who get to be on a panel, uh, who um, either are running or moderating the panel or are the key panelists in either a workshop or a Q&A format. Um, and that was the, the new thing that uh, Steph and I were able to do this year, starting with WonderCon, and which is the sister convention of Comic-Con, so a little bit smaller, um, known as like the TV convention around here uh, and is in Anaheim. And then we actually were able to, because of that, score doing a panel at San Diego Comic-Con, like the mothership of all yep. geeky conventions. Yes, and I think because there are sister conventions like that, that is a way to get into the big leagues, right? Mm -hmm. um, I. I didn't really think of it at first because when we were at WonderCon, I was like, oh, this is it. We made it, y'all. <laughs> we done did it. We done did it. We're here in Anaheim. This is great. Like, um, And they were coming out with so many cool things at WonderCon. Like, people were actually, like, uh, bigger panels. I think I've only attended one or two WonderCons prior. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that was when Shazam first came out. Yeah. And I remember um, the like the size of it because it was small it wasn't as overwhelming as comic-con yeah. it was so much more accessible and you know of course we're next to disneyland so it's always yeah. all good oh, yeah. um and the people who normally uh would be disney fans were there so it mm -hmm. felt a little bit more like home we were i felt very comfortable there and i felt that it was a great foray into being a professional and a panelist because it didn't feel foreign even though we haven't been in that space for a very long time well and and then we're we're talking about so for you and i um how the process went was we put in a proposal at wondercon mm -hmm. um months and prior I, we, yeah, we put in we put in each our own proposal because what mm -hmm. we've found out from peers who had done panels was that um, volunteers are the ones who look over the proposals uh, and they just get a pile. So mm -hmm. we were like, oh, well, we can increase our chances if we each put one in. We didn't think that they would both get chosen <laughs> where one of us had to like you had to change the title of your panel and some <laughs> of the goals. <laughs> And it was funny that I had to do that. And it was so nonchalant. They were just like, eh, you could just tweak it a little bit. And, you know, we can we can accept it. I'm like, oh, 
it's that easy. It's that easy. <laughs> and then we also had um, a friend, Lorraine, who also had a panel approved that yes. she had asked me to be a part of. And I was just like, oh, well, if our panels don't get chosen, then maybe hers oh, will. Yeah. So it went from like thinking I'd be on one to being on three. <laughs> yeah. And you're really only preparing to be on one because, <laughs> I mean, as as an attendee, you you don't even think you're going to get to that level at that point. You're like, why, why, why would they choose me? However, yes. all these conventions, their goal is to connect with the people who love the content, right? Yes. They want to involve as much of the general public as possible. Mm-hmm. That's what conventions thrive on. Yeah. So knowing that, they want to have real-life people mm-hmm. <laughs> who can, you know, explain and talk about things that the general populace loves. Yes. So it is not that much of a surprise when you think about it from that perspective because they do want a variety of programming. They just don't mm-hmm. want people mm-hmm. going to a DC or a Marvel or a Disney panel. They also yes. want people who are consumers of this media, whatever platform you have, talking about why they love it and in different angles too. And I I think it's worth it to note that a majority of these conventions, um, at least when it comes specifically to WonderCon and San Diego Comic-Con, they're nonprofits. Mm -hmm. They're they're huge. They look like they're profitable. They're nonprofits. And and their their mission statement involve education on pop culture media. So having panels that focus on learning about how to create a comic book, learning about comic book law, learning about um, what it's like to be a podcaster, learning uh, how to voice act, all of those things are what make it rich exactly. and so for us we we had three uh <laughs> i had three panels steph had two panels <laughs> and uh, when we were chosen um for our specific panels um we had to decide how we were going to do moderating if it was going to be like co-moderating who we were going to have how we were going to yep. split it up mm-hmm. so the first panel uh, was lorraine's panel um that i was a, a guest on and it was why diverse stories matter uh, voices from the BIPOC LGBTQ plus neurodiverse community. Uh, and so the what we learned from Lorraine, who had been doing panels uh, at SDCC and WonderCon consistently for a few years now, is that uh, you want a variety of panelists. If yours is a niche, like we're only talking about creating a comic book, mm-hmm. then, you know, make it as diverse as possible. So she had... Um, actors, she had producers, she had comic book creators and graphic designers. Uh, so when we uh, were thinking about the panelists for our panel, we had coming together on honoring AAPI voices in pop culture, which mm-hmm. was Steph's panel, and then uh, celebrating AAPI voices in media, which was my panel, we wanted to do the same. So we had chosen uh, panelists who were diverse in their professional background from our own. Exactly. And um, in doing those different types of panels, we had to make sure that the content had variety Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we were attacking, you know, the subject in different angles that were pretty much similar, but a little bit different. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think in crafting that, it's kind of like you're writing up a podcast episode or Mm -hmm. you're writing up even just like a short essay like how are we going to split up the subject in a meaningful way where Mm -hmm. everybody's voices are heard Mm -hmm. um and that is 
all dependent on your moderators, yes. the people on the panel, mm -hmm. their level of comfort of talking in front of an audience, because we mm -hmm. also do want to honor that not everybody is great with public speaking and they yeah. don't have to be. And many mm -hmm. of you know the professionals that we had on our panel either had a lot of experience in that or maybe had little mm -hmm. to no experience in yep. that. For us, we were coming in as newcomers. So mm -hmm. we are used to talking to each other on this mm -hmm. podcast yes. <laughs> through a Zoom um, or also just talking with a bunch of friends. I think mm -hmm. um, finding the balance between those two is what uh, we had to navigate and learn. And by yeah. the time that we did our San Diego Comic-Con panel, I feel like we kind of achieved a lot of the goals that we wanted to achieve because not only was the content, of course, all of our content, we love talking about all of it, but um, talking about different uh different subjects really mm -hmm. impacts the flow of the panel and the flow mm -hmm. of the conversation. And with our two specific panels being on the AAPI experience, the Asian American Pacific Islander experience, we had, of course, wanted panelists who were part of the community because it mm -hmm. was meant to uh, uplift the voices and celebrate the voices and honor the voices of our community. Um, but we also wanted uh, diversity even in the AAPI. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you uh, when you hear Asian American, people immediately think of uh, someone Asian. who's East Asian. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a lot of Southeast Asians. Um, uh, and uh, we didn't have anybody who was uh, Desi or, or Indian, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe something for the future. And uh, we had, uh, for my panel, um, a, a specific creator who uh, was, like, featured on all of the WonderCon, like, um, advertising. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And um, I was talking to Josue about, like, I have to pick some people for panelists. And he was like, why don't you just tweet at some people? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's like, it felt like a reach for us. I remember mm -hmm. when we were talking about it, we're like, could we just try it? And that is how we got Trung Lee yep. um, on our panels because Ariel tweeted at him. And we are not big tweeters. Like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're not on Twitter no. all the time. Nope. So this was totally like shot in the dark. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and I did the same for our San Diego Comic-Con uh, mm -hmm. panel, um, uh, which was uh, titled... From the screen to your plate, food and pop culture. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> I said it enough times. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, however, uh, nobody responded to that. I was hoping Binging for Babish would <laughs> Or Feast we of Fiction. We can always do I was it hoping. again. <laughs> we got our panelists in very different ways for yes. Comic-Con. And I think... See, and this is the power of the geek community and mm -hmm. the power of our subject, which was food and pop culture. Yeah. Um, we were able to get some amazing artists and amazing collaborators just by chance. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. So for WonderCon, I had um, asked uh, individuals who I had known personally. They were my mm -hmm. friends or um, uh, individuals that Lorraine knew. Mm -hmm. So these were these were all close friends and um, they had been on panels. Uh, her her friends had been on panels before, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my my friends who was a psychologist and um, two uh, app based creators. So they um, were in the graphic and and programming and web design art community. Um, they were flying in from San Francisco, but they were someone that I had been collaborating with on creating apps. However, when it came to uh, Comic-Con, Steph and I did the Divide and Conquer where we both submitted proposals. We mm -hmm. actually submitted five. We did. <laughs> Each. <laughs> Each. And with San Diego Comic-Con, only one only got accepted. One. And even though we submitted the exact same thing with different names, it oh was my Steph's. Gosh. So we thought, 
oh, for sure, like our API one is going to get picked or like something <laughs> like, because, okay, when we did the WonderCon panel, we had such a meaningful conversation about yes. what it is to be Asian American. I was like, I was so emotional because I really feel like it's a subject that I don't get to talk about a lot, let alone with other female Asian American Pacific yes. Islander creators. Yes. And to have a platform and to have people say, oh my gosh, I never thought that I would see like a whole full panel of female Asian American Pacific Islander creators and people who just like the same things that I like. Mm-hmm. Talk about what it mm-hmm. is to see themselves represented in media. That's a deep topic, y'all. Like yes. 45 yes. minutes could not contain the amount of knowledge and mm-hmm. amount of just emotion and also real life situations that we could have dived into and mm-hmm. we need like a part one two three four five six seven eight yes. nine ten for it yes um so going into comic-con we're like oh for sure that's gonna get picked yeah of course lo and behold the one that gets picked is the one about food food yes <laughs> yes so when we were coming up with ideas we thought about a geek therapy one yep. we thought about a, a different aapi ones yep um and we did we did one on Disney princesses, which we yep. presented before, mm-hmm. the evolution of the Disney princess. And then we were like, hey, I don't like the number four. I want the number five. Because <laughs> you know? number four is bad luck anyway, so let's do five. What should we do? We're like, we food. Yeah, food. <laughs> and I was like, of course we can do food. There is yeah. so much to be said about geeky food. And mm-hmm. we are always at a pop-up. Or we are always mm-hmm. going to a themed ice cream day. Or we are always, like, ever since, you I mean, me and Ariel have been friends. We've been doing pop-ups and, like... Yes consuming all sorts of food that are themed uh, from the time that it existed. So we were like, okay, no brainer, let's do this. And we came up with like a really quick description. It was the last one that we submitted. Mm -hmm. And of Mm -hmm. course, that is the one that got picked. And we're like, okay, well, then our approach is going to be a little bit different because we don't have to have super professionals on this panel. This is going to be a different approach from all the other panels that we've done, which is like four. Four. We're just four. Uh, We're just four. So the, the thing about the um, food panel uh, and proposals in general to be a panelist or to host a panel yes. is that you need to request months in advance. And so as soon as WonderCon ended, Steph and I just put in our paperwork for San mm-hmm. Diego Comic-Con uh, simply because, one, we knew we were going to be busy and we didn't want to forget the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, we were just fresh off of that, like, uh, glow Hi. from a convention. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And we were sure. like, we just wanted to get do all the things. Oh, yeah. Do all the things. We could conquer the world. Conquer the world. <laughs> and we just need to, to harness that energy. And uh, so it had been like two or three months had gone by before we'd even heard anything. Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, uh, a whole other thing of um, a Vegas trip happened with me and my friend Malaysia. And that's that's its own thing. But I met someone on the plane um, who, uh, uh, June, and he is a a shoe designer and was also, like, opening up a a K popcorn chicken restaurant with his cousin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, hey, we, I made a proposal with my friend at San Diego Comic-Con would you be interested in being a panelist if it got chosen um and we just like exchanged instagram and that was the thing lo and behold four days later <laughs> that was the one that was chosen i told him about it and he was our first agreed upon he was panelist our first agreed upon panelist and i happened to be in san diego visiting family at that time and i was like i wonder what happened to our proposal because <laughs> i am literally across the street from the convention center at the children's museum with my family mm-hmm. and i was like hmm, i wonder if i just searched comic-con if they ever responded um and there it was we were approved earlier that day to have our food and pop culture um panel and i told ariel she's like i already have 
a panelist? And I was like, get out of here. And so we're like, oh my gosh, we're actually doing this. Like, this is actually happening. And so we had June on board. We had our good friend Chance on board. Uh, which um, and- you may remember him from yes. the villains episode. Yes. Fantastic, fantastic human being. Also goes with us to many, many pop-ups and, you know, mm-hmm. loves to eat just like us. So mm-hmm. we were like, okay, great. We have four people, but yes. two of them are moderators. So we kind of need a little bit more. So we were, you know, kind of searching through, you know, our, our network of people. And we knew that um, as Asian American Pacific Islanders, Filipino Americans specifically, we knew that there were a lot of great Filipino projects that were going on around um, Lumpia with a Vengeance, which is yes. a, a Kickstarter movie that had a part one, but is now advertising a part two. Mm-hmm. And we met a lot of the really awesome um, people over at WonderCon ironically because and, of chance as well yeah i was gonna say and chance so what we've learned about panelists setting up is it's oftentimes who someone else knows yes it is who someone else knows it i mean it truly ugh, goes back to it's who you know yeah. and in this industry even though we don't consider ourselves to be mega part of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. there is bits and pieces of that and i i think we can definitely say as geeky professionals we are in that industry now Mm -hmm. um it is definitely who you know and um the people you want to support and yes uh, with the platforms that you have so definitely as filipino americans we did want to uplift our kababayan which is our um you know our kin and Mm -hmm. pretty much have people that are represented um because they have a lot of really great projects happening like i said they had a part one now they're gonna have a part two um that at, uh, yeah, a comic book as well. And ironically, they were doing a screening at San Diego Comic-Con. So we were like, hey, let's see if we can get somebody on board from their team. I was linked up to their PR person who was amazing and awesome. And uh, I didn't realize that we also worked around the same area because I work in historic Filipino town in the daytime. And um, we were able to get uh, Earl Balon, which is one of the, he's a voice actor. He is on Netflix and he is also one of the um, producers for Olympia with a Vengeance. So He is also a very big foodie and he also had a podcast and a YouTube channel where they would recreate recipes and he was a perfect fit. So he was our number three. (laughs) Yes. When it comes to um, going to conventions, one of the things that Steph and I love the most is Artist Alley. We love celebrating um, people who are creative fans that recreate our fandom Uh, and uh also incorporate their own culture, their history into their artwork. Um, I remember that when when we went to WonderCon, um, we stopped by a booth where uh, I had bought um, a Jollibee pin. (laughs) Yes, Genevieve Santos, she is amazing. (laughs) And so in doing that, uh, you start to make connections and sometimes you become a fan of even these artists. Like there mm-hmm. are regular artists that I visit um, regularly. And then there are actual like artist creators who I had like signed comic books at San Diego Comic-Con. So mm-hmm. uh, creating connections with them ends up being uh, a vital part of the community development when you go to conventions. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also seeing like your culture represented. I think there are so many of us AAPI creators that are really starting from the ground up because, you know, we weren't always encouraged as young kids to be artists and, you know, to love what we do and and also represent ourselves in our craft. So um, like Ariel said, we love going to Artist Alley because that is where the grassroots of fandom, like, pretty much start off because I I myself I'm an avid pin collector I love collecting pins I have so many pins everywhere all at once Disney pins specifically. <laughs> Disney pins yeah Disney pins specifically anime pins all of it um and going to artist alley so timeline goes we did WonderCon 
Anime Expo was next that I only went to. And I decided to go with, of course, my family. And I also decided to bring my little niece with me because it was her first convention. Mm-hmm. And she dressed up as Nezuko. And there were like a thousand other Nezukos out there from Demon Slayer because everybody loves Demon Slayer. And that was my day to chill because like Ariel said, we always try to now have a day where we buy a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. our day to chill, our day to you know be with family or be with friends, what have you. So we go to Artist Alley, but then um, that was our chill day uh, without my niece. And we were like, let's go and see what we can buy pin-wise. I had just bought a new Ita bag. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a clear bag that you could basically display all of your pins and buttons on Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a walking advertisement of you (laughs) and everything you love so if you see somebody who likes like an anime or like something that is similar to you you could strike up a conversation with them be like oh my god i love your pin and that is part of community building so artist alley this year uh is kind of like other years at anime expo where it's located in the basement of the Mm -hmm. convention hall because Mm -hmm. it used to be a small part of the exhibit hall but it has grown so much Mm -hmm. because anime content creators are its own thing and like all artists from all all parts of the country come to anime expo to have a booth and people um can buy their items and not have to pay for shipping. (laughs) Or back then, before shipping was even really a thing, you could only find them at Artist Alley. That's why that is one of my favorite things to go to at Anime Expo, because you're not always going to find official Japanese merchandise Mm -hmm. at a price point that you can afford anywhere. So Mm -hmm. um, artists are really what saved the day. So I'm walking through these halls, and it is the Saturday of convention. It is the most packed. It is almost near impossible to get through one aisle, let alone, I think they had 10 aisles of Artist Uh Alley um, because people are packed like Mm -hmm. sardines. And Mm -hmm. I am here with a stroller. My son's asleep, thankfully. My my husband goes out to use the restroom or whatever and so i'm like inching my way i'm this is like worse than a busy day at disneyland (laughs) i am literally walking inches to get to the end of the hall and i happened upon this um this booth that looked like a little cafe (gasps) and i love coffee y'all Oh, no, no, wait. She loves coffee so much that the when we worked as baristas at Whole Foods, they made a, a, a oh, large yeah. cardboard cutout of her that people would hide in the freezer of her loving her coffee. Yes. she was the lead coffee specialist. I was the lead coffee specialist. I bought all the coffee there. So I, I, I knew all of the coffee buyers and I was we were getting coffee for free all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good times. Um, so I love coffee a lot. And so this booth automatically catches my eye because it has a little awning. It has like um, a little cute pin display board. And I'm like browsing around as I do. And mind you, there are people everywhere. So I can't even move at this point. So I have no choice but to look. And I see that they had little pins that looked a lot like soda in a bag. And for those of you who have visited Southeast Asia or any anywhere in Asia really when you buy street food out there soda doesn't come in a can it doesn't come in a cardboard box it comes in a bag a bag with a straw in it a bag with a straw in it (laughs) if you go to Storytellers Cafe (laughs) you could get uh, cereal milk in those bags of the straw. Yes, you can. Um, so what's up, what has be what was street food is now bougie. <laughs> it's now bougie at the Grand Californian. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, so I see it in a bag and I, I asked the guy behind the counter, like, is this Royal True Orange, which is the um, orange soda in the Philippines in a bag? And he's like, it is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. Like, 
um, who makes the pins? He's like, actually, my cousin makes the pins. And so I'm like, oh, that's really awesome. And then I'm browsing a little bit more and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get a couple of these pins. I got that and also pulveron, which is like a really sweet dessert that's kind of powdery that comes in um, little wrappings. Um, that meant a lot to me because I used to make those with my mom when I was younger. And it was like a really sweet treat that I love um, and I still love to this day. And I was like, I'm going to buy some of these pins, but also would your... Uh, cousin be willing to talk to me because I actually have a panel and then I go into my whole spiel about how we have a panel at San Diego Comic-Con and we would love to have creators like her who um, are artistic and use their craft to express themselves and their culture um, through food and he's just like wait are you serious are, for real he's like let me text her right now and then so he texts her and then the next day I set up a meeting with her her name is Selena Sarimento also known as Celine Selena Bernice and mm -hmm. she is from LA um ironically she was I think getting lunch or something at that <laughs> time so she wasn't there um but she had to step away from the booth a little bit but um Anime Expo was the only place that she would sell her things at that time and um she'd only been to San Diego Comic-Con as an attendee and she was just like I would love to be on your panel um she uh migrated here from the Philippines not that long ago and she had some amazing stories to tell about being um who she is in that space as mm -hmm. a graphic designer and mm -hmm. um it she said it also helped reinvigorate her craft so I think it was like a win-win situation and yes. I was so happy to have her on the panel and have her perspective because it was such a unique one and um it made the conversations just so awesome yes now we we have talked a lot about the panels that we yeah. did um and they will actually we'll be putting the audio on the podcast and or if you want to actually watch them we'll be putting them on YouTube uh I think that you all will enjoy sort of that adjunct to what we do Yes. And forgive us, we do not have professionals recording us. So if the audio is a little wonky, forgive us, we will improve. Well, um, I was recorded on a phone, my, my people. We are not like, like, it looks like we're that life, but we're not that life. No, we're not. Uh, we are grassroots just like you all. If you have tips and tricks about recording panels, yes. we would love to hear about that. Um, because like I said, or like we said, um, being on these panels, we are they they kind of just leave you to your own devices mm -hmm. and you kind of mm -hmm. have to figure out how you want to record it when you want to take your pictures i know everybody has like the cute picture in front of like the um in front of the panel and like the background mm -hmm. but you yeah. literally have to like take two seconds to do all of that stuff because you have like no time to prepare and you have to just get it in or else yeah. you're just not going to get it in at all and when it comes to managing expectations some of it is some of your panelists might not show up either yes. because their previous <laughs> panel ran late or they they aren't able to attend anymore um june's cousin who owns the uh, k popcorn chicken with him couldn't come uh, mm -hmm. so that's why we had four instead of five which was totally fine because four ended up being the perfect number Right. Um, and uh, at, at San Diego Comic-Con, the slides wouldn't load any of the images oh my um, gosh. because the internet this was whack. Beautiful, <laughs> this beautiful slide. And because we were talking about food, we wanted to have recipes and we wanted to like tell everybody how much we, because, you know, food, there's so many different ways to to communicate that mm -hmm. and we wanted to attack it from all levels and we had a QR code for everybody um, which we will have hopefully on the podcast uh, yes. website for all of yeah. you guys to see um, and none of it showed up so we had to <laughs> describe every picture which grateful that the QR code worked because people yeah. on their phones were able to see what you were supposed to be able to see <laughs> so yay for accessibility we did it <laughs> Um, yeah, so things are not going to go the way you want it to. For all my teacher friends out there, you know you can prepare a lesson to the T, 
to yes. the minute to the second and have it be perfect and then once you get up there it all falls apart so this is just one of those things that um it's just the reality of it mm-hmm. and at the end of it we all just had really fulfilling conversation the mm-hmm. the audience was so engaged thank you for everybody who attended yeah um hopefully we will see you all again because the the guy there's so there's a guy in there who click click clicks away to see how many people are in the panel yeah. and homeboy on the side just kept clicking mm-hmm. away and i was mm-hmm. like oh well, there it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is. The the first three panels we did at WonderCon, WonderCon's one, a smaller convention, mm-hmm. so we didn't expect a lot of people. And then they were very niche. They were on AAPI experiences mm-hmm. or, or a diversity. Uh, and so the the panel rooms, I would say maybe like 40. I would, yeah, for WonderCon, definitely maybe no more than 50. Yeah, no more than 50 in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were just kind of expecting the same thing at San Diego Comic-Con. Well, mm-hmm. there are more attendees at San Diego Comic-Con. We hadn't really factored that in. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God, everybody loves food. And the interesting thing is, I don't think I've ever seen a food panel. So Never. maybe people were like, <laughs> mind my phrase, hungry <laughs> for this panel. Oh, yeah. Uh, how um, many people do you think that we had in that room? And they so, just kept coming. My, my oh, oh, they just kept coming. And I was like, are you lost? <laughs> did you okay so there was a couple of things that i thought about actually since it's happened because now i've had time to digest ha, digest um for me i totally forgot how big the rooms were and our room is 24 abc so i was like okay abc that means there's three sections of a room yeah. that's all compact together um and this is at the San Diego convention center so we're just right above the exhibit hall mm-hmm. our panel was at 6 30 all the exhibit halls close at six o'clock mm. so afterwards if there is a major panel in Hall H or like Ballroom 20, which are the two big ones, or the Indigo Ballroom over at um, the San Diego Bayfront Hotel. Mm-hmm. If those are not um, as popular as people think they are, they're going to want to just chill out before dinner. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing a lot of people who were A, just registering because it is the first day of Convention Center. Yeah, because it was Thursday. Registration was just down the hall from us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very accessible and we yeah. were very um, fortunate to have that time slot because yeah. there weren't a lot of big things going around. People yeah. just want to see what the convention is all about. And that is when you go see whichever panels are happening. And mm-hmm. they always have a little agenda in front of every single room to see which panels are going on Mm -hmm. and because some of them are niche most people did gravitate I feel like towards arts because it was a subject that everybody could relate to um, because people were dressed up as your friends in Good Burger costumes ah, and yes. <laughs> your, your little adoptees. That yes. You, um, yes, we will talk about that in a little bit. Yes, and um, it was right before dinner, so mm-hmm. maybe people were a little bit hungry or mm-hmm. just wanted to hear something a little bit different because, like you said, I've never seen a food panel Mm-mm. ever. And we're not chefs, you guys. No, we're no. not. We're home cooks at yes. best, home at bakers. Best. Um, we were just foodies and avid lovers of food. So yeah. I think maybe that also compelled people to just come check mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. And we were hype in there. I don't know about yeah. anybody else, but that was the most hype panel that I've been on because the subject wasn't so heavy but it was very meaningful but we were so excited to talk about it I think that resonated in the room as well so I would say maybe at the end of it I would say near one about 100 people were in that well that day so the 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 thing about our QR code and where our um uh slides are it counts mm-hmm. like how long or uh, how many people have viewed or accessed right, it right. and that mm-hmm. day there was at least 120 people who viewed it 
just yeah. that day. And since then, I guess people are are viewing it afterwards because there's been over 300 people who've now viewed <laughs> our slides to get the recipes. That's madness. I love that. <laughs> it, uh, what? You you are accessing slides? <laughs> slides that yeah. didn't even work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th- thank you. Thank yeah. you to those people. Thank Yeah. Thank you to all, all of you all. <laughs> Rolling back a little bit. Uh, okay, so um, in talking about conventions first, do you want to hyper-focus on this year's uh, conventions and uh, maybe starting off with Anime Expo because I didn't go. So what was that experience like for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I go to Anime Expo every year, whether it's just for one day, two days, all four days if I have the stamina. And also because Anime Expo always falls on the 4th of July, there's always a lot of family stuff going on. And it's like the first um, it's the first holiday for all of the schools. So mm. um, I always try to go in any way, shape or form. And I've been going since uh, 20, uh, 2006, 2007, back when it was in Anaheim where WonderCon actually is at the convention center but man it was weeb central <laughs> and like you are getting like the super niche like you're an elder weeb you and I am an elder weeb now I can say I mean I feel like now a lot of a lot of people have been calling us professional geeks which is awesome um because we have achieved that level of success um but and all thanks to you all but anyway um Animex will to me has always been been home convention because a it's always been somewhere in and around LA whether it be Anaheim or the convention center where it now lives Mm -hmm. um and it always had uh, a lot of opportunities for me to connect with anime that I wouldn't necessarily be able to because we live in America right anime is Japanese based a lot of their products are just simply not here Mm -hmm. um I'm very fortunate to live in Los Angeles where we do have a big Japanese American population and Mm -hmm. so I can always travel to either Little Tokyo Carson Torrance um any one of these enclaves even San Francisco they have a big Japanese population out there Mm -hmm. to try and connect myself with um merchandise with Mm -hmm. you know like any little sort of thing to help me represent the anime that I love so this year was Anime Expo's 30th anniversary I had no idea Um, so there were a lot of cool things happening with Anime Expo because it was the 30th anniversary they were really hyping it up Um, it was back at the convention center in LA and so the Los Angeles Convention Center yes the Los Angeles Convention Center right next to what is now called the Crypto.com Arena used to be called the Staples Center not anymore (laughs) dang crypto (laughs) as a native Angelino I'm never going to call it the Crypto.com Arena but that's Staples Center that's a personal opinion of mine Uh, it's always going to be Staples Center always Kobe's house Um, but they implemented a lot of different things that I feel like could have been done better. I understand that, you know, at first, when they were first advertising it, they said they were not going to verify COVID vaccinations. A lot of people were very upset about that because they just said, you know, you just have to monitor your health and make sure that you're not sick. But a lot of the panelists, a lot of people who were coming from Japan, because Japan is still a closed country right now, Mm -hmm. they are not accepting any tourists. Um, They are going to have a lot of, they were or are going to have a lot of professionals at Anime Expo and they didn't want to risk exposure, which for all of us, especially for anime and the reach that it has now for younger audiences a lot of parents and you know me yes. myself having my son you know having his first convention being anime expo after WonderCon, um i didn't want to 
risk that exposure either. And they mm -hmm. realized mm -hmm. that they needed to do a shift. So that's when I first realized that we needed to do COVID vaccine verifications. And how they did that was they made you walk around the convention center pretty okay. far from where the actual entrances were at mm -hmm. the main convention center around the Staples Center and into there's like a street uh, it's called Figueroa and it's right between LA Live, which is like a shopping entertainment mm -hmm, district mm -hmm. and the actual stable center and convention center. You have to walk all the way over there, get your COVID verification and then come back. Uh. So it was a lot of walking. And mind you, this is like the beginning of summer. So it's just getting up into the 90s here in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And Ugh. so if you didn't take advantage of that first registration day, all conventions, they normally have a day zero because there's usually four days of registration. And day zero is when you get registered, especially for professionals, anybody mm -hmm. setting up for the convention. Mm -hmm. That is your day to set up, get situated, get all of your credentials, everything that you need to um, have a good time at the convention or do what you need to do, basically. Yeah. So if you didn't take advantage of that day, you were kind of screwed <laughs> because oh. you oh, would... Did you take advantage of that day? Did you know? I definitely did. I okay. knew because I had been doing this for so long. I always mm -hmm. know to get my badge, not on the day that I want to start doing convention things, yeah. like yeah. going to the exhibit hall, like mm -hmm. seeing what mm -hmm. I want to buy, seeing what panels I want to attend. So... Luckily for me, because I don't work too far from downtown, mm -hmm. I was able to go get my badge first. But then with the amount of walking that I saw that I was going to do and the amount yeah. of walking people are going to be doing yeah. in cosplay, yes, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. So not only that, but they were also um, filtering out the lines that came into the convention center. I know for oh. San Diego Comic-Con and WonderCon, you basically just walk into the doors, you verify your badge and you go in. This one, they wanted you to be in a singular line and two oh, entrances. And okay. so these lines would snake around the convention center, around the stable center, loop all the oh. way back around. It was like being in line at Disneyland, but like way more disorganized. Yes. So for me, um, I know if you have been attending our panels, I am currently six months pregnant. So I am Yay! expecting a little one very, very soon. And convention going for me has definitely given a mama perspective as a different perspective altogether. But yes. expecting mama is definitely a even more different perspective because you have to think about how you are feeling and mm -hmm. if you are up for conventioning because for a lot of our friends who are considered disabled or it's hard for mm -hmm. them to get around they have to think of other ways for them to be comfortable during convention because it's a lot of walking a lot of sweating yes. a lot of people around you and yes. you just want to be comfortable and enjoy yourself at the convention too and i know even like prep work wise before attending a convention um at least the two or three weeks before mm -hmm. i will start increasing my step count to yes. be able to tolerate the amount of foot traffic and depending on the <clears throat> the convention like at san diego comic-con this year they didn't renew the carpeting so no. you were just walking on cement unless a booth mm -hmm. had its own special carpeting or its own padding, um, at which the uh, Star Wars booth had the best padding. Oh, right I didn't next. go to that one. Oh, it was <laughs> one right next to the Naruto Bowl. Oh. I just like, I would like slowly lean into those like <laughs> costumes That's and stand why on the you platform. were standing over there. I was like, why are they? They're not moving. Oh, it was so good. 
that's so good. I hate. Yes, yeah, that's definitely something that you have to take into consideration because not mm-hmm. everybody can go full force four days no. straight. It's like doing Disney World in yes. a sense because yes. you have to make sure that you are your stamina is up to speed to be mm-hmm. able to withstand and not be you know just dying at the end of the day of exhaustion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, what have you. But anyway, um, I was actually able to. Um, be tipped off by somebody because I didn't really want to walk again around the convention center to be in that line to get in because I was tired. I was with my two-year-old and my husband and I was like, I'm not going to stand and pregnant. So I was like, is there another way that I can get into another line? And they were like, well, since you are pregnant, you can technically get an ADA badge, which is American Disabilities Act badge because you are considered in the category of people who need assistance. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. I was able to get that badge and my husband was my helper. And mm-hmm. because of that, conven- the convention was so much more easier for us to navigate because I did not have to ex- extend myself or overwork myself to the point of exhaustion. So in getting the badge, so you didn't have it essentially like the first day, you got it the no, second day? I did get it the second day. Okay. Yes. And then what were some of the accommodations that you received at Anime Expo and how like how did it change your experience? Oh, absolutely. So the first day when I did not have the badge, I went into the general line and people are just like kind of like shoveling you through kind of like cattle. <laughs> it's like, okay, scan your badge, make sure you scan it, all that stuff. And that is a, a very stressful process because if you don't know how to, you have to scan your badge to um, the RFID scanner to make sure that you paid for your ticket and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing just to get in right with my ada badge i went to a different line with much more friendlier people and (laughs) (laughs) it didn't seem like you know they were hating life at that point and um yeah they're very accommodating they were like oh it's okay you could take your time we're not rushing you um there was no line to get in Mm -hmm. um they were very friendly they made small talk with me and then i was able to go into another um entrance next to the main entrance but it led right to the elevators to go Mm -hmm. up because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stairs around the convention center um but because of that uh, we had special seating for certain things. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to play video games, there were always like a s- separate section for um, people with the ADA badge. Mm-hmm. And um, if they saw that you did have an ADA badge, they would let you go into different entrances that made it easier to access certain things like panels and also um, just special things that like giveaways and things like that. Okay. Yeah. So I think <clears throat> maybe because... Uh, Anime Expo is smaller than San Diego Comic-Con. It sounds like they gave you more accommodations than what it seemed like what we saw at SDCC. Yeah, definitely. And on top of that, I guess it's worth mentioning that even though you did not have an ADA badge, they did have special rooms that were quiet rooms and like manga reading rooms Mm -hmm. for people who wanted to just get away from the convention floor. Um, And those were accessible on the second level of the convention um, Mm floor. Uh, the convention center and all you had to do was just you know go in they would just monitor how many people were in there and if it was too loud outside you could go in it was air conditioned quiet everyone's just kind of on their phones with their headphones on and um yeah you could you did not have to have an ada badge to access that and also a quiet manga reading room where you could just go in and it was just a 
room full of manga. And if you didn't want to be on the convention floor with all of the hullabaloo, you could just sit down and read manga and um, get your fix that way. And so that was really good because you did not have to have a certain a special badge. If you just really wanted to get away and unwind, but mm -hmm. also not leave the convention, you could utilize one of those two rooms as a regular attendee. Yeah, I, I think that accommodation is the one that one access to general public because, you know, everyone kind of needs a moment to be able to decompress. And I know uh, in talking to Josue, um, uh, the Geek Therapy podcast and uh, obviously founder of our network, he has worked with the take this at conventions um mm -hmm. and they have an afk room away from keyboard <laughs> i love that uh, where you get access to just sit with a mental health professional you get access to decompress um you're given sort of additional supports and it's uh volunteers as well as uh clinical staff they don't provide mental health services like you're doing therapy but they help um you know give you some emotional support or maybe mm -hmm. give you some support tools if you are becoming overwhelmed by the convention floor Mm -hmm. And that is something that they had at like more gaming conventions. Mm. I think that is something they should implement at every convention. Every convention, especially the big ones. <laughs> There's just too much stimulus, too much. Yeah. There is a lot going on and particularly for new people. But I also think of like kiddos who could just like need a place to like nap in their in their stroller or something. Yeah, definitely. I know of just a thing that happens at conventions, you see people sitting everywhere, mm -hmm. everywhere, any nook and cranny, wherever they can sit, they will sit. Yes. Because it is exhausting just doing all that walking constantly. You're wanting to see everything. You're wanting to go at every floor. Mm -hmm. You're wanting to go to every like experience. You just need a break sometimes. Yeah. And you will see, you know, people in cosplay just lying out on the floor or, mm -hmm. you know, just taking a break, finding a place to eat. Mm -hmm. um, because there's very limited seating in front of where you can get food or the food trucks are outside or what have you. And so a normal thing is just seeing people laid out everywhere. But yeah. if we implement something like that a quiet room or maybe even just like even setting aside half of one of the halls just for a bunch of tables mm -hmm. just to sit down you don't have to sit on the floor for those of us who can't yes. sit on the floor or Absolutely. it's hard for us to get up from the floor mm -hmm. um that is definitely something that would encourage more people to go to conventions now <clears throat> when it comes to accommodations um San Diego Comic-Con does a really good job and they also do a very bad job. Uh, and this is where um, I think some conventions uh, need to create like a pamphlet. Mm -hmm. So you you get a sticker or um, a special badge. You get something that markers that you uh, are that you're utilizing accommodations. Um, and so for those who don't know, I have a lot of severe allergies. Um, one of them being um, cholinogenic uticaria. And what that means is I'm allergic to my sweat. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. like y'all. Yeah. <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con in the heat. It's sweat city. In lines. <laughs> um, so I not only use a fan, I actually have a cool gel patch that I, I wear fairly regularly. I have an asthma inhaler to help me breathe because what will happen is if my body gets too warm and I start sweating, I will not only break out in a rash, but I will actually uh, go into like a anaphylactic shock where I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I finally decided this year that I would access the accommodations um, that I, because my condition had just gotten so much worse. It was mm -hmm. less manageable. I'm older. You know, it's a thing you have to accept. Yes. And 
you will go in and they will say who needs the accommodation. You say me. They'll give you a sticker. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. You have to figure the rest out. I don't understand why they don't have a pamphlet that says like, so there were outside activations that you needed to pre-check in at the ADA booth. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I thought you could just show up and then it just happened. Some, they would yeah, just so see some it. of them, some of yeah. them you could show them and they have a separate line for you. But others, mm-hmm. like this year, it was the Game of Thrones, um, the oh, House yeah. of Targaryen one. Mm-hmm. You needed to check in and some sort of virtual type check in at, at the booths. There were exclusives that had a specific um, line for individuals or ADA. Again, you would have had to check in the booth. They didn't tell me any of these things. They also didn't explain um, how many people your uh, handler badge could be given out to. Uh, because uh, what if your handler isn't there that day or doesn't have a badge? So remember that to get in San Diego Comic-Con, you are on a lottery. So you may get Thursday and Sunday, but not Friday and Saturday. So who was going to come and assist me if I needed assistance? Correct. Uh, There were temporary day badges that you can get, but of course I wasn't aware of that. And so unless you are uh, integrated with the community that has used these accessibilities, you would not have been aware. And then Mm -hmm. even when um, it was time to check in uh, for you, we had asked, is there a decompression room? And there wasn't. Mm-mm. How is it that small anime expo, which isn't as small anymore, but still a mm-hmm. lot smaller in San Diego Comic-Con, has a decompression room, and yet San Diego Comic-Con doesn't? They did have a nursing room, mm-hmm. but it was literally a uh, a, a fake wall uh, with curtains yes. behind the ADA check-in. For those of you who are breastfed, uh, not as comfortable as some other nursing rooms. I've been in nursing rooms in many uh, different stadiums, and at least they have a plant in theirs and a nice reclining <laughs> chair. <laughs> Nope, 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 none of that. And then even um, with some of the, like, the areas in the hall, like, we talked about the decompression mm-hmm. room is somewhere to sit. Um, there, There is nowhere to sit, and they will tell you to stand up. They will tell you to get yeah. off the ground if you mm-hmm. are, if you look like you're blocking traffic, which makes sense. We don't want to, you know, make a, a, a hazardous yeah. um, environment in case there's crisis. Mm-hmm. But, pe- like, part of the accommodation is that uh, you can't stand for long periods of time, mm-hmm. and yet we have nowhere for people to sit. Yes, exactly. And you're right. They do a great job and they don't do a great job because although the verification process to get an ADA badge, of course, they're not going to interrogate you and ask you, like, let me see your proof. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not going to do that. But the follow up to that is kind of like you said, you have to figure it out on your own. And unfortunately, for a lot of people who do fall into the ADA category, a lot of their lives are already figured out on your own. And Mm -hmm. so without that prior knowledge, you it can either make or break your convention experience. And so I think, you know, having that decompression room or having a pamphlet of saying, you know, I feel like even, and correct me if I'm wrong, Disney, they have um, a specific, like, they, they tell you where all of the ADA um, uh, accommodations are on the map. I've mm-hmm. seen that before. Mm-hmm. When you open it up, you mm-hmm. see the little um, ADA um, little symbol that's blue, and mm-hmm. it tells you all of the different ways that you can access ADA accessibility through those things. So I mm-hmm. think that system can be easily implemented into a 4-day convention where you're not yes. doing it every single day. Yes. Um, just a little thing like that, because yes, there is a program guide that has, you know, it's pages and pages of like descriptions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a map that is like, mm-hmm. has all of these different explanations and things. So, you know, these little tweaks could make um a convention goers experience all the more better and all the more comfortable seeing that it's already a pretty stressful situation so just like our our um 
uh, an older episode about managing expectations when you mm -hmm. go to Disneyland. You need to manage your expectation when you go to any convention, and particularly the bigger ones like WonderCon or San Diego Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why mm -hmm. is because, and particularly San Diego Comic-Con, it is wider. It is longer. There is a lot of... Uh, like foot traffic you have to go through to get from one area to another. So if you have a panel that is at the San Diego library, uh, which they do, then that's part of Comic-Con. And then you're trying to get all the way to Hall H. That's literally the other side of town, essentially. Yeah. When you're on foot, it's like, and you're walking outside. You're not mm -hmm. walking in like air conditioned vents. And so this is where I would say people who aren't from um, uh, SoCal and who don't live in this area, I don't think that they they immediately think San Diego, um, nice, cool, consistent weather in the 70s. And I think what you're forgetting is that uh, you're in an area where a lot of the ocean breeze is being blocked by large buildings because it is in the gas lamp district. Um, and you are doubling the amount of people outside, which just increases the heat. Uh, and then um, Comic-Con's always in July. And so the sun is just blaring on you. There's rare, there's barely any mm -hmm. clouds. And there certainly isn't any, like, rain or, or cool mist. Right? Yeah. So you have to prepare for it being hot. Yeah. And there is a level of humidity, too. You're, mm -hmm. you're physically walking. So depending on the amount of sweat that you produce in a day, mm -hmm. um, whether it be doing 10 minutes of exercise or hours of exercise, which you essentially are doing when you're walking around Comic-Con, you have to take that into consideration and know when to take your breaks. Mm -hmm. um, I know for myself, I took a lot of breaks, even just from walking to the parking from the parking lot where I parked, mm -hmm. which was near Petco Park where the Padres play. And going to the convention center, I, I took a break at the Hilton just yeah. to decompress because yes. I knew I needed it. I wasn't going to make it all the way to the convention center. And even mm -hmm. if I did, would it really be worth it? Because once I got there, mm -hmm. would I be even able to enjoy what I wanted to enjoy because I was so exhausted? Absolutely. So I, I mean, that... And parking is a whole nother thing, too, mm -hmm. if you're not from the area, because San Diego Comic-Con is the only convention that I know that does not have super accessible parking right away for somebody who does not know how the process works beforehand. Some of the things you have to be mindful of is how you're going to get parking, how you're going to get around and uh, what you're willing to carry. So if what... Any convention, if you can bring at least water and snacks, you are, are pretty good. Um, however, most conventions have free swag and your bag starts to fill fairly fairly fast mm -hmm. and it starts to get tiring to carry. And if your car is nowhere near the convention center, if you had to park off-site, like if you mm -hmm. went to WonderCon and had to park in a completely different parking mm -hmm. structure, then you have to be willing to know that either I'm going to carry this around all day, is it worth it? Is this is this swag worth it for me? And when it comes to the scheduling, um, if you are wanting to, you're, uh, what I have found, I should say, what I've found successful is having a specific day that is like your convention floor day and having yep. a specific day that is your panel day and just sacrificing on my floor day, I'm not going to those panels. Mm -hmm. On the panel day, I'm not going down on the floor. So I'm probably not going to collect every day's buttons for something or enamel <laughs> pin. Um, it, and I, I know that I'm not going to see 
whatever it is a large panel for whatever tv show is going on so i have to i have to really be willing to sacrifice so that's part of managing my expectation yes <laughs> and of course as it happens whatever you have to do at the convention center something's always going to collide with it something's mm -hmm. always just going to be either 10 minutes into what you wanted to do or 15 minutes into you know what you are doing so you just have to manage those expectations and you have to just say to yourself you know what i'm going to try to do my best i'm going to try to enjoy what i need to enjoy get whatever i need to get done um mm -hmm. and enjoy everything else because yes. everything becomes way less enjoyable when you have these high expectations for yourself yeah. and you know logistically it's just not gonna happen yeah. um i know for for WonderCon, and this is kind of going back to the different levels of convention participation mm -hmm. um you you are nervous to you know be a professional you want to do mm -hmm. your best you want to show up for both your panelists your audience and everything so even and, for and me people like, know that's that you're professional because your badge says <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah so you you have to kind of change your mindset a little bit mm -hmm. and for me doing WonderCon for the first time I was definitely butterflies in my stomach I did not know if it was gonna go off well or if people were gonna like me or if people were gonna you know be engaged with what I want to say and all of that you know me and Ariel I feel like we're very you know good in preparing most of our mm -hmm. content um and even with that level of preparation there's still a lot of anxiety that yes. comes around it. Like, is everyone going to go show up on time? Like, there's a lot of moving parts mm -hmm. to that. And I think managing the expectation of let's just get up there and mm -hmm. do what we need to do and enjoy it afterwards. Yes. Definitely. I had to keep that in the back of my mind in order to survive. <laughs> okay. So my Comic-Con babies. Here's the thing. Because San Diego Comic-Con is so large, and I, I think for people who don't go to conventions, they don't understand, it is so large, it literally takes over all of San Diego. If I go to the Ralph's grocery store, everybody's dressed up as a superhero, and they've got Excelsior, like, on the windows and cardboard cutouts, <laughs> yeah. and they have, like, monster energy drinks that they're handing out, because they know that there's going to be more people, and they, that's a great way to advertise, give out free swag. For sure. If you, even if you don't get into the convention, you could just go to the town and walk around and get so many free things and see so many experiences that mm -hmm. aren't exclusive to badge holders. Yep. And <clears throat> pretty much every three years or so, if you go for three years in a row, you've kind of got the idea of what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And that's around the time where you um, meet new people who it's their brand new time and you do something called you adoptees, where you adopt <laughs> someone into your group, uh, you into your fold. And so my uh, my friend Alex, he his adoptees are these um, two really cool Canadians, mm -hmm. um, uh, Ravi and Sean. Um, and so this year apparently was my adoptees <laughs> <laughs> because I adopted uh, Xavier and Greg and they weren't new to conventions, but they were definitely new to San Diego Comic-Con and we spent almost every single day uh, together once we adopted them the very first day on preview night. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was there's some benefits of being essentially adopted or uh, or in, at least included in the fold, right, yeah. um, from uh, your uh, Comic-Con attendees. Um, one of them being this year because of uh, COVID and needing to get the, um, ba uh, the wristband that says that you're vaccinated, they mm -hmm. had two 
areas where you can get verified. Yes. Uh, and so there was the one right out front, the convention center, which snaked around the entire convention center like oh, four yeah. times. I'm sure that's those are the pictures that you all probably saw on Twitter or mm-hmm. Instagram or Facebook of just like the madness of madness. what that line was because it was right in front of the convention center where everybody takes all their pictures of cosplay and everything. And what uh, ended up being is that there was another one that was actually a lot shorter that not a lot of people knew about uh, and mm-hmm. it was at the Marriott Hotel. So we immediately told them go to the Marriott Hotel get get your uh, vaccine verification there because the line is going to be a lot smaller and you're going to get into the convention sooner Uh, Mm -hmm. and remember these tickets are very expensive uh, so you want to make use of uh, as much time as you can and if you have preview night uh, preview Mm -hmm. night only lasts I think from like six to nine so you you don't have a lot of opportunity to go into the convention floor and check it out so um, that was our our our, uh, one of our first tips our other tip being um, the free shuttles. What most people don't know is that Comic-Con has free shuttles that'll take you from different hotels. Mm-hmm. So even if you're really far away, you don't even need to get a car or parking yeah. if you don't plan on carrying too much stuff or yeah. you do the check-in like we talked about. They're like huge charter buses too. They're not mm-hmm. just like, you know, short buses. Short but Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not they're not um uh like uh like passenger vans. Yeah, they're not passenger yeah. vans. Not like like shuttles you would think. They're like yeah. big charter buses. Yeah, huge charter buses. And then uh the other uh suggestions that we'd given them was uh ways to um get onto the different activations, mm-hmm. um ways to get into Hall H. We didn't get into Hall H on the big mega Saturday and mm-hmm. we we stayed out in that line till 2 a.m y'all oh my gosh 2 2 a.m um there were some shenanigans happening uh and uh lots of our our group was honestly the noisiest i'm sure there's a twitter thread out there of someone who's just trying to like sleep (laughs) uh and yeah i i think that um Remember that that's part of the culture and the community. I yes. hope that if any of you decide to go to conventions, you can find a, an established group that looks cool that you can integrate yourself with. Because yeah. uh, having convention friends, friends you only see at convention, it's mm-hmm. like a whole different vibe. It's a whole yeah. different level. And just a disclaimer, I was not in that line until two o'clock. I tapped out early because <laughs> since, yes, I am six months pregnant. Um, Me and our friend Chance, uh, who was kind of my, my handler, I yes. want to call him my handler. We were each other's handlers um, because, you know, we both have accommodations mm-hmm. that we needed to, um, to take into consideration. We tapped out early. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of on a different trajectory as everybody else. Had it been a couple years earlier, I would... I was right there with Sean, Ravi, and our friend Alex, and I would be at those lines just, you know, Mm -hmm. having a blast because, like Ariel said, having convention friends that you only see at convention is very special because it is something unique and special to you. And, you know, that sense of community is just irreplaceable. Uh, In switching um, to uh, Disney specifically, because it's a Disney podcast, there is a Disney convention called... D23, D23, which is basically as mega as San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, yes. Because Disney owns so many of the franchises that we love. Have you ever been? I've never been. Um, I do have friends who are part of D23, which is a club. Uh-huh. It is a fan club that you have membership to. Not as exclusive as 
and not as exclusive as Club 33 where you have to be invited and it's just like, you know, a whole thing. But D23 is where you get special releases. Um, you get like a newsletter in the form of a magazine with like special art. Um, there's a lot of different perks to being a D23 member. Yes. Uh, but yeah, D23 was founded in March 10, 2009. Oh. So it's not very old, not very new. But I think as a convention that has grown over the years because of all of its acquisitions, mm-hmm. it has become something that is now its own entity. Mm-hmm. I know um, being a part of San Diego Comic-Con and being a part of WonderCon, they would always have like a Marvel panel. They would mm-hmm. always have like, you know, some sort of Disney panel or Pixar mm-hmm. or whatever. They have slowly been pulling away from these conventions because they want yes. to focus on their own. So every year, just like this year, Marvel's not going to do a big thing. And, you know, Marvel's going to do it all at D23. Yeah, this year at San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel did the most and had, like, yes. literally everybody under the sun for Phase yeah. 5 and 6. And yeah. total lie. Lie. Um, <laughs> so now I don't know what they're going to do for D23. It has to be something big because it is their own thing. So mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. that is definitely the next milestone for us as a Disney podcast. Neither of us have been. Uh, and it is in September this year. Mm-hmm. And we have a goal to... To get there <laughs> in whatever way possible, uh, but preferably uh, we're hoping to try and do press. I just I don't think that um, we could create and propose a panel at this point. It's actually too late. Like we're recording oh, yeah, this episode in August and it's it's in September. So I'm yeah. assuming that the, that is that's closed. Um, and like we it's it's nearby it's in anaheim (laughs) so Mm -hmm. hopefully fingers crossed we can get there but if you know you have any experiences with d23 please shout us out and tell us your experiences because we'd love to know we are going into this blind (laughs) yes 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 so if you have any um ideas of how we can get into d23 (laughs) shout us Um, out let us know (laughs) Uh, if you have some convention experiences or if you've um, uh, incorporated people into your group, some adoptees, just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tweet at us at happiestpodgt or uh, DM us on our Instagram at happiestpodgt. Yes, we are so excited to be back. Um, I know that we have a lot of content coming up. I know we've been pushing out a lot of episodes that we are kind of backlogged on. Um, You know, life gets in the way and that's totally okay. Um, We are all for taking care of ourselves and taking care of yourselves Um, in this new season. Now that we are coming semi out of this pandemic, a little bit into more normal times, we understand that um, when we first started this podcast, it was a whole different world. So um, now we are navigating this in a different space and we would love to hear your experiences or maybe even at our next panel whenever that happens um let us know and if you have any um ideas of what other things we can think and talk about we would love to hear from you because if we learned anything from these conventions is that creating a network of uh geeky professionals like you and i um really makes uh this community so special All right. Have a great rest of your summer. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, everyone.